The Lord is good. What am I saying all of these things? I was trying to get to a particular point. I just, well, speaking by the Spirit, I believe. So stop looking outside there looking for somebody who destroys your death. Nobody is there doing it. You are a child of God. I said spirituality is reasoning with the word of God as fact. Not that you are hearing spirits. I say boldly, and I'm not missing words about it. 90% or more of what Christians say they hear, it is their polluted spirits talking to them. Many Christians tell me that God says I should move from here to there. When you listen closely, it's a fear of tomorrow that's talking. He says God. When you watch it closely, it's envy, jealousy, comparing themselves with one another. That is what is talking. They say it is God. It's not God. After all of this, also emphasize the importance of keeping our faith boosted, the importance of you know, guarding our faith. After all of this, to explain it, each person has a destiny. Each person has a destiny. Through many tribulations, you will enter into that destiny. Somebody say amen. amen. What I mean is this. The fact that you're having troubles will not stop it. Each day I read medical facts. You understand? I find out. All right? As a matter of fact. That the labor, you know labor? You know they call labor when the woman wants to deliver. You know labor is very, very intense. One of the things we don't realize is that it's more intense on the child than it is on the mother. All the mother feels is pain. I'm not saying pain is good, but you know, anytime you are feeling pain in labor, your child is not getting blood. Now, it's not the feeling of pain. Now, get me right. It's not the feeling of pain that's the problem. It is that what is causing pain to you is contraction of the womb that's housing the baby. At that point, the blood vessels carrying blood to the baby, they are shot. They are shot. So as you are shouting for pain, the baby is like, why am I not getting any oxygen here? And that lasts for some time. The very strong ones, you can feel the pain for up to 40 seconds, maybe up to a minute. And that baby is not getting fresh oxygen supply in that period. No, we don't think about it. If you see a child that just been born through normal labor, his head is not the same. He don't bend. Literally, if you see the squeezing, it squeezes your head through a birth canal. Jokes apart, enough to rupture the head. But God, I don't worry. God is very, very smart. <laughs> very, very smart. He has wired it well. There are some tough ligaments and things inside the skull that keeps the thing bound. The skull actually shifts a bit. If it's like this normally, it shifts and overlaps slightly. Squeezing the small pequeno's brain. But we are just there complaining that the woman is feeling pain. We don't realize that this little lad is being squeezed. No be joke when the guy they cry when he come out. <laughs> when the guy come out, that's why I say, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's relief. <laughs> that is relief. Now you see where I'm going. They've been shown that those children are tougher, tougher. And the ones you take a knife, open the womb, and bring out nicely. The last I read is that they are less likely to be autistic. I just read that one about two days ago. Okay, many of you know what they call autism. Okay, it's a, it's a serious mental disorder in children. 
I read it just about a few days ago. I said, hey, that this squeeze, this birthing process that is tough, actually imparts toughness into that little lad, to that little girl. It imparts toughness. It does. I saw, in fact, there was one I read long ago. Like all this one throwing children up, you know, they will jump into the air and they will catch them, makes them less likely to be hypertensive in life. <laughs> than the one that you must not play rough play. <laughs> that children that have never seen rough play are more likely to be hypertensive than the ones that have seen it rough. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point here. That is why through many tribulations we enter the kingdom. That's what I'm going to explain. Through many trials, we will enter the kingdom. So don't let Satan come to you and say you must not go to the cross. No. The Satan, that's how Satan makes sure people don't, don't enter their destiny. They, they must not enter the cross. They must not go by the way of the cross. Say, just bow to me. I will give you everything. The Lord is good. What am I explaining? Let's treat our faith as precious. Of all the things we have in life, that is the most important. That's the most valuable. That's why God didn't have any problem. I'm not saying it, it was not as if he enjoyed it. But he removed everything that Job had to test his faith. He removed, and listen, let me say something to you about Job. Job was a man of faith, the way he understood it. Job was a man who, when he weighed all the people on this earth, he had the greatest faith. Job was a man that God bragged about his righteousness. But you know the truth? God said, this is his righteousness as good as it is. Mm, it's not good enough. Jesus said, he that bears fruit, I will prune. That he might do what? Bear more fruit. That is the problem of Job was his righteousness. When I say, when I say problem now, why he went into that level of temptation? was that God said, this guy is good. He's a candidate for pure faith. That this Job is a candidate for well-refined faith, the type that we can use to... Ah, how do I say this? Now, a thought just came to my mind. I've said this before. Now, please, if I miss my way, just know where I missed my way. No, I was on the, you know the junction where I am right now. Okay. Job removed pure faith. For a long time. Now, please, try and follow me. I hope I'm not confusing you. <laughs> you know, we talked about the streets of gold in heaven and all of that. Are you getting my point? Yeah. You know, for a long time, I've never believed that it was literal. And I'll tell you my reason in a moment. For example, we talk about hellfire. It says, is there hellfire? I said, I don't know about the fire. He said, but the Bible says, hey, wait, wait, wait. You must know that when the Bible is talking, they bring spiritual things, things of another realm, into this realm. And to make sense, you have to show, you have to use the thing that's closest in this realm to explain the things that we have never seen. Because if the fire was literal, that means there's oxygen. Or there's atom of some sort, even if it is nuclear fission. There has to be physical things on this earth have to be in that other realm, which I don't think is like that. So, you say, is there fire there? I said, one thing I'm sure of is that the torment is like fire. And that's why people can live through it. That this is not burning them physically. It's tormenting them day and night. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. 
And I have an idea already of what kind of torment it is. Because, let me not touch TikTok about that. I just use that one to explain something. In the same way, in the same line, light, I've always wondered when you're talking about gold. How can you have streets of gold in heaven? That means people carry gold from here to, to what do you call it? Heaven or what? Or the heaven is, no, it's, it can't be the literal gold that we are talking about. You see what I'm saying? I believe that heaven is paved with the faith of people like Job and men like that, that God has been able to purify their faith and their spirits fill the atmosphere. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That is, heaven is only as good a place to be as God can produce many Job's who he carries their faith over there. Okay. Sorry I said that. Okay, let, let me explain and say. That is, God is mining gold. Okay, that's a better way to put it. Every day God is mining gold. He's looking for gold. He's accumulating gold. And what is the gold he's mining? It is your faith and my faith. Now, what, what am I going to explain? That despite the, everything that Job, that is, Job prospered so much on the earth, God said to purify his faith, I'm willing to remove everything. So you know what the Lord did? He removed everything Job had because that was necessary for the purification of the faith of Job. Why? Because the faith that Job had at that point, I don't want to teach about it now, it was not good enough, even though it was the best on the earth. His righteousness was by works. That was why if you go into chapter 29, he bragged on the things he had done and the things that he was not doing, the sin he was not committing. Until God taught him the righteousness by faith. So that Job could open his mouth and say, Ahead of you with the hearing of my ears, but now my eyes see you. Are you getting my point here? Listen to what I'm going to say. That in your life too, that faith is what is most important and that's what God is working on. He's not trying to get you a car. He's not trying to promote you on the earth. That's not the primary thing. He said, you say we won't have promotion? Because they remove your eyes from it. All other things are added. I promote you as it is necessary for the use for, for you to do the work I have for you on the earth. For example, why was Joseph promoted? Who can tell me the reason? He saw that he can preserve lives. It was not ha. Ah, after you have suffered, you will be promoted. After you have suffered, you will be promoted. Then he was not promoted. He said, after all this suffering, look at me now. Look at my chariots. You now follow him to his palace. Yeah, that's why I sleep when it is hot. That's why I sleep when it is cold. That's why my children sleep. These are their toys. Yes. But thank God. The only house bigger than this one, the whole of Egypt, is Pharaoh's house himself. And that's just because I don't want that kind of house, out of respect for, the, for, for Pharaoh. And they say, Babao. They say, yes, yeah, so we thank God. Those who thought we would not reach here. They thought they would kill us in the, in the pit. Did we die there? No. We went to prison. We survived. Amen. Now we're in our glory. Hallelujah. I hope you know that is nonsense talk. Pure rubbish analysis. What was Joseph's understanding? He said, you meant it for good, for evil. God meant it for good. Why? So that I can preserve your lives. Where's my father? Tell him to bring everybody. This family is still going to last a long time. You guys are going to come over here. And you know what God said? He said it's until the iniquity of the Amorite will be full. 
That is, I need to preserve these people because through them, Jesus will come. If I leave them in that land, they will be corrupted. Their whole lineage will be corrupted. I will not have pure DNA through which Jesus will come. So why was Joseph promoted? It was so that God could serve his purpose in Egypt. That's all. I hope you're getting my point here. So Christians are promoted, yes, because you serve a purpose. There are things that God wants to do in this nation. Certain people must be in certain offices for it to happen. Certain businesses must be open so that God can release certain things onto the earth. That's just the way it is. It's never for self-glory. The most important thing that God is doing in your life, that's what I'm trying to say, in the midst of all of this thing is purifying your faith. So if you go through any adversity, any challenge, you come out of it, your faith is not stronger than before, that was a failure experience. I hope you're getting my point. If you go through any prosperity, any increase in life, and your faith and your ability to do the will of God is not strengthened, it's a wasted experience. That's why God is not in a hurry, listen to me, to do the same thing to everybody. The God that did it for him will do it for you too. It depends on what he's trying to do in your life. I hope you're getting my point. It depends on what he's trying to do in your life. He did not treat Joseph, uh, Jacob, the way he treated his father, Isaac. The things he needed to clean out of the life of Isaac, they were not the same things he needed to clean out of the life of Jacob. Listen, let me say it again. God loves you. Say amen. amen. That's an established fact. Another thing, God has invested in you. And he must collect his payment. His investment must pay. God does not waste investment. Though. Sometimes I look at myself. Okay, I can use myself as an example. No, I look back at those when we were in school. The things we went through, the experiences, how they will make us... I still went to secondary school. I still remember when I would be sleeping. The seniors would come and wake me up. Time for Bible study, prayer meeting in the morning. A few of us would go and stay in one corner. I remember that the hamatan would be blowing our head cold. And we're making us clap. This is daddy. This is daddy. Daddy, Lord, has me. I'm talking about 11 year old. I was in a boarding house. 12 years of age. And I remember that senior, he'll be teaching and teaching. And you'll be feeling sleepy. And you'll sleep off, he'll wake you up. Then return you back to your hostel. Maybe by 6 o'clock. Then the day will start. You know what? That's divine investment. God was counting it. <laughs> One of our sisters told me something once. I wasn't married that time. Of course, she was married. We were just talking. I asked her, Banky, what's going on now? She said, something to, she said something to me, which I was very touched by it. She said, hmm. anyway, any wife you want to marry, we have to see first and approve. And she now said something that, okay, let me not give you that person that you won't be angry with, my brethren. That she, okay, she said I shouldn't just go out and go and bring one wife that they don't know. They have to marry somebody that they know. You know why? Now, this is where I'm going. He said, because all our investment in you, somebody else is not coming to collect it. <laughs> she said that. She wasn't joking. You know? It was matter of fact. Like, Banky, please, don't even try that one. What are you saying? And I knew what she was, was referring to. Those days, when we, I mean, we were in the same Mexico. We will go and pray. We will go for evangelism together. You will fall sick. They are the ones that will come and cook for you. I hope you're getting my point. Ah, these are your brain. They are praying together. You say, you now go and bring us one strange woman. Thank you, please. It's not, you say, check out. Is it fair? I'm explaining something to you here. God has invested in you. 
Listen, many people listen to me today. You know, God did something in Israel. The firstborn in Egypt, they were all supposed to die, including the Israelites. It was a sin. Now, listen, I don't have time to explain it to that now, but it was a sin in the land. It was not just the issue of the Egyptians. The sin was in the land. Everybody was going to die when God released that thing. But what God did was that he gave them a sacrifice. And in that process, he bought back their own firstborns. So the firstborn of Israel became God's property. Then he said, okay, to make it easy, I will not exchange those firstborns with you guys. But you give me a whole tribe. So he took the tribe of Levi. That's how come the, the Levites now became his own inheritance. So he did not give them any land. To make up 12, he split Joseph into two, Ephraim and Manasseh. So he took Levi and distributed them all over Israel. Levi was a replacement for the firstborn that did not die in Egypt. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, it was God's investment. God, did they do business? Oh. He had calculated everything. That this is my own portion here. Now, I'm going to say something here. Many people here today, listen to me. You are supposed to die at the age of five. Some at the age of 10. I remember I was about 12, 13 when a boss almost killed me. I have been redeemed. Let me tell you, see. Let me tell you the of the word redeem. It doesn't mean I have been delivered from sin. It means I have been bought. I'm now somebody's property. We look at redeemed like, ah, yeah, I was dying. I'm free. Hallelujah. Nonsense. Redeemed means that this thing was... Yours. Hold it for me. Then I dipped my hand in my pocket. I gave you money. You understand? And then you gave it to me. It's now my what? Property. What that means is I have redeemed this from your hand. It means from now on, it serves my purpose, not your purpose. It means from now on, it serves my purpose, not his own purpose. So if he wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go and play, I say, no, I'm going to Bible study and you are the tab I used to preach today. Do you get my point? You stay here. He has to answer. Do you know why? It has been what? Redeemed. When we Christians are redeemed, that's what it means. It means you now belong to somebody. It doesn't mean you are now free. You are free from sin. Yes. You are free from the bondage. Look at the way he said it. You have been, we have been redeemed from where? The dominion of what? Darkness. He said we have been transferred from the domain of darkness into what? The kingdom of his dear son. In whom we have redemption. It is transferred into being under his authority. Bear that in mind. I'm, saying, I'm going somewhere in all of this I'm saying. So, because God has invested in keeping you alive. That's what I'm talking about. Because he paid. You are supposed to die six years ago. But he paid the price. I don't know the price he paid. And he collected you. He said, now you belong to me. I hope you're getting my point. Because you belong to me, you have a purpose to serve for me. Therefore, since you are my investment, you are like raw gold. That's what I'm talking about it. So to bring out the gold inside, there are times I will take you, put inside the fire. The fire will burn and burn and burn. Why? To burn up impurities. Then when you come forth, you have been tested like what? Gold. When all impurities have been burnt off, then I know that my investment has paid off. I hope you're getting my point here. That's why sometimes God just leaves the children of God in places where they don't want to be. 
He said, this is your own fiery furnace. What am I doing? I'm born of the impurity. So he took Jacob. He said, what do you do with Jacob? I have redeemed him. But this guy is dirty. He's impure. There's a lot of good in him, but he's impure. So what do I do? I will send Jacob into the house of what? Of who? Laban. And in the house of Laban, he will be tested and purified. He will test his patience. He will make him lose confidence in the flesh. Now, it's not like it's a bad thing, all right? But just as sometimes I feel bad that the Bible does not write enough for us. The encounters of God with Jacob in the house of Laban. No, God was there teaching. The Bible does not record enough for us. Well, he recorded enough that we're supposed to learn from. But I know many things are not recorded. How God taught Abraham some things. I gave us an example the other time. That why did it take God so long to bring David to the throne? Every day that Saul spent on that throne was a day in which, in fact, let me tell you the truth. David could have shortened the reign of Saul if he had gotten himself ready earlier. Every day David Saul spent on the throne, it was a day that God was using to prepare David to take the throne. So that's why Samuel had to train him. He had to be taught. What am I going to explain? That's how your life is. It's your life and my life I'm describing. If we don't cut off every impurity from our lives, God will lose in this business. Or he won't get the full benefit. Instead of his goal to be pure, it's become 95% pure. But that's not good enough. Sometimes out of frustration, God will just take the gold. Just throw it to heaven. Take it like that. We'll look for another person. I'm serious, I'm serious. Many times when Christians run up and down for, ah, what am I teaching? Trying to explain that what is most precious to God is what? The gold that is inside you, that is inside me. And that is what is working on all the time. This earth is a short, and we are here for just a short while, not for a long time. But you know we are going to live for eternity. So forget the power you don't have. It's not, you know, you know before I used to wonder, why does God do things like this? Sometimes, you know, when I go to, <laughs> If you go abroad, you know, you all look at Nigeria and say, God, one day I just look, I said, God, why you do us like this? I said, God, why you do us like this? Why? What did we do? Like my friend said, that when it gets to heaven, that thing must be discussed. He <laughs> wasn't laughing when he said it to He said, no, that one, that there has to be a discussion. That what the black man have suffered, there has to be, an, that is, we have to discuss it. There has to be a truth and reconciliation Committee. We have to. Uh, I told myself, bros, I don't know who you want to challenge. You mean na, na, na Noah? Now, when I get to heaven, I'll see Noah. Now. Bros, Noah, sit down, sit down. If your son say, must you swear like that? Cause be Canaan, a servant or servants he will be. Can't you just say, cause be Canaan, he will suffer small? You say, a servant or servants he will be. And you see every day, descendants of Canaan will take their wealth and export it to descendants of Shem. Noah, is it? You were watching this in heaven. Were you happy? I'm sure you have not slept well in 6,000 years. <laughs> and God looks at each one of us before we come down. I say, you pass this one as a descendant of Shem. This is my own personal opinion. Maybe I'm making myself very happy. He said, the ones that are most precious, where are they? So that's it. What's that one? He said, Bank. He said, make him a descendant of Ham. 
let him go down to Nigeria. Yes, there will be power failure. Yes, the Asu will go on strike when he's in school. But in the midst of that, I'm going to get my pure gold out of him. When I return him back to this place, even Noah will kill to look. I want to tell Banky like that. They say, will you go to Nigeria? I say, Lord, I will. You know, many of us agree to come here. We reach and we are complaining. <laughs> we don't realize that God is purifying gold for himself. Did you hear what I said? He's purifying what? Gold for himself. And I dare to say to you, it's a unique kind of gold that he's getting out of this furnace. Out of the furnace of affliction, he's getting a unique kind of gold. You know, all golds are not the same. Ah, read your Bible. They will tell you the gold of offer. I hope you're getting my point. Go and see. No, they describe gold differently in the scriptures. When you want to refine gold that is good. In fact, there are, t- there are times it will tell you that the gold in that place is good. Hmm. Somebody, if you are good gold, say amen. amen. Genesis chapter 2. He said, now, verse 10. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it is divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. Look at verse 12. The gold of that land is good. Don't you like that? <laughs> I'm feeling good already. I, hope I don't know about you. I am feeling good. You know, the gold of my life is good. Are you going to say amen? You're going to say something? Amen. Oh, you're going to just say amen? Ah. <laughs> say, this gold, this gold, look at the way I did my hand, this gold, this gold is, good. is good. That's why God is purifying it. This gold, this gold is good. And listen to me, that's why God loves it. That's why God is squeezing out every impurity. This gold is good. I like the way he said it. I dare to say it, the gold in this continent is good. The gold in this continent is good. The gold that my life represents is good. The gold that your life represents is good. And my emphasis is that that's why God is squeezing. That's why he's burning. He's removing every impurity. He looked at Jacob. He said, this gold is good. It's necessary. He said, but he's surrounded by all kinds of trash. The guy is too smart. The guy can scheme. So what do we do? Send him to a man schemier than himself. You like my English? (laughs) Send him to a man schemier than himself. I've sent him before. I walked in a place. In fact... (laughs) They have, a, they have a proverb in Western Nigeria that because Christmas day outside, in the house we have our own Christmas too. <laughs> that is, every family we, family we have a madman because of the madman outside. So when they are going, when the man thinks he'll be rough here, I don't know if you say your son are rough here too. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. Walk in the place where one guy thought he was a crazy man, was misbehaving. Then they employ one new guy. That guy showed him senior madness. So let me show you that my madness is worse than your own. He put the other guy down. And this was conflict of mad people. (laughs) 
They sent Jacob into the house of um, Laban. Jacob thought he could deceive him. He said, don't worry. First of all, they showed him one girl. He said, ah, I'm going to die. He said, no problem. He just to die for this girl. is only seven years. The guy works hard for seven years. The girl was maturing. He was watching the girl. Then the day of the wedding, they gave him another girl. Then he realized that this madman is worse than the madness I brought. Ten times they changed his wages. And God refused to deliver him all those years. I hope you know that God used to meet Jacob. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. Why didn't he deliver him from, from um, Laban? The time was not yet. The time was not right. That was why he didn't deliver him. When the time for his deliverance now came, he said, now nah, this is how we are going to do it. Let's now turn the madness of Laban on his own head. Ask him to give you your wages. When they finished, Laban arranged and made sure that all the animals that fitted the wages of Jacob, he gave to his sons to keep. Listen, God sent an angel to Jacob. He said, Jacob, listen, take pieces of wood, design them like this, put them in front of the animals when they come to meet. That's, he said, later on, don't worry, 4,000 years after now, people will discover it and call it genetic engineering. Let's do it now. Things that, things that we have not yet done yet in science. Jacob did it just with small pieces of wood. He said, the animals, any animal that looks at it is giving birth to your wages. A time, he came, a time came, he said, Jacob, time to go home. Pack your family. He said, but my father-in-law is going to make a lot of trouble. Don't worry, I will defend you. As Laban was going, you remember the story? God came to him at night. He said, you are going to see my guy? He said, yes, sir. He said, don't open. He said, when you open your mouth, don't bless him, don't curse him. Just talk nicely and let him go. What many of us don't know, that was exactly, okay, not exactly, something similar to that was what God did to deliver Jacob from Esau. It was not other scheming that he did. He divided people into three bands this one, to give gifts to. Esau could not take anything from him. Why? Because before that, God had appeared to Esau and warned him seriously. So why did he say this same God deliver him from labor and all these years? It's simple. His process was not complete. Listen, before you pray to God for deliverance, ask him, say, Lord, let no impurity follow me out of hell. Say to him, that one is more important than the deliverance. The cleanliness of this gold, because the gold, the gold of this land is good. We cannot afford to present this gold diluted. We cannot afford to present this gold polluted. Listen, we don't know how to pray a lot of times. So have you noticed? Read your Bible well. All the deliverance prayers we pray these days, Paul didn't pray them. Have you noticed? Were there no poor people? Have you noticed? Did he not talk about the Macedonians that they were poor? Did you know that they were slaves in the time of Paul? And they became Christians? And there was not one of them he prayed for for deliverance. The only one that he saw that ran away from his master, he returned him back to his master. What is the reason? I'll tell you my simple answer. Because... Paul understood what was more precious. These days, we don't know what is precious. Listen, Paul believed in miracles. He was preaching, a young man died. He fell on the young man, called him back to life, and continued preaching. Paul was preaching. A man was lame in his feet. He looked and said, ah, this man has faith to be healed. He pointed at him. So he believed in miracles. But go and read his letters. He didn't focus on those things. He wrote to the Galatians, my little children, 
of whom I travel in best again until Christ is formed in you. That's what he focused on. That's what he focused on. Because the man understood that the gold of this land is good. We must not allow it to get into eternity with impurity. But at the point in time, in our modern day Christianity, we turn things upside down so much that wealth, you know, money, became more important to us than divine character and divine destiny in the lives of the people of God. So our testimonies became limited to things of deliverance, prosperity. Testimonies, as Papa was talking, I cleared my account. Two weeks later, my house was completed. Amen, amen. You wonder, how does that, how does that testimony explain itself? In two weeks, the focus is, I now have a house. That's the focus. So all kinds of things fall into, you know, we call them testimonies. We don't focus on the fact that, listen, this brother has a testimony. Praise God. Last week I was fired from my work. Amen. Because I refused to eat the food that was offered to idols. And brethren, I want to let you know that the testimony of God in my mouth did not waver. Amen. And people will stand up and clap. No, we hardly hear the such testimonies. Like I said, anytime, please, I'm asking you, every time, if you don't know what to say, pray in the Spirit. And just say, Lord, Leah, just leave it like that. Leah, no! If you don't know what to say. Because many of us don't still understand that that is a testimony. Many of us don't understand that is a testimony. That a young girl can stand in front of terrorists and say, I will not deny Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor, the gold? The say, the gold, the gold is, good. is good. Say, your gold, your gold is, gold. is good. Say, my gold, my gold. The gold of my land, the gold of my land. Is, good. is good. Remember, that gold is not, I bought the whole of shop right. No. That gold is what? The faith that God is purifying in our lives. That's what we're talking about. The Lord is good. Can I go into my message for today? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. I told you I want to preach everything I want to preach. I may change my mind, but I have not started my message for today. I was trying to explain to you. <laughs> you can laugh all you want. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Did it we took a Bible reading? I have not even gone near the Bible reading we took for the day. No, don't worry, don't worry. But I need to just all of you relax. Chill. You will you'll be blessed. There's a special word coming for you. <laughs> Sit down there. <laughs> Amen. Alright, so in trying to explain, I just I all the while just trying to put everything together because we're coming to the end of this series. Obviously, we're not going to finish it today, but that my plan was to try and get to the end of it. What we are saying is our faith is what we are keeping intact. We are boosting it up. And we said there are four ways. So I'm looking at that. That I mean, these are just four things I just put together by the Spirit to help us, you know, make it easy to boost up our faith. It is not by closing our eyes and shaking our heads. That's not our faith is built up. These four areas, there are areas which we will look, we'll, there are simple things to do. I said something last time that we approach things simply. God does a difficult one. Faith, we said, is, a, is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. 
It comes from the heart of God into our lives. What we do is just to make ourselves open for faith. That's what we do. That's the only thing we can do. Make ourselves open for faith. And so there are simple actions we can take deliberately. That by making our lives open for God to pour the spirit of faith into us. We said we are careful to take the scriptures and interpret our lives, everything around we see from the Bible. I noticed something. Christians believe the Bible only superficially. They, they are not able to interpret things in the scriptures. Today I had a discussion with some of my brethren. They said the white people, the white people, they did something. What did the white people do? When they got to America, they killed everybody there off. They are very bad people. I said Israel also got to the promised land and killed everybody there off. True of us. I said, they are just as bad as the white people. I said, listen, all these white, white people, I said, try and read the Bible, that read life in the context of the scriptures. Interpret the things that you have seen. Understand that God must have decreed for certain reasons that the people had to lose the land and the new group will come in. It was the decree of the Almighty. Maybe, maybe the iniquity of the Amorite became full. Now, does it feel good? I don't know. All I know is that it ties with divine counsel. So I told my brethren, I said, remember to read divine wisdom in the history of mankind. All right? So we do that deliberately. We look for scriptures to interpret what is going on all around us. Then also, we said, number two, our expectations in life must be built on the word of God. Both what our destiny should be and what God has given to us. All right? We must receive that from the hand of the Lord. And then number three, um, the precepts by which we walk. We must deliberately build every aspect of life. And the one thing I said, which I believe was the high point of discussing the matter of precepts, is that every lofty sin, everything that is exalted against the knowledge of God, one day will be judged. There is, we call, what, what do we call it that day? The day of reckoning, thank you. The day of reckoning. The day of reckoning. That day is coming. The day of reckoning. In which every lofty sin will be judged. If, listen to me, let me say this to you again. Children of God. That thing that you have hidden inside your heart. Remember, your gold is good. Remember, that thing that is blocking the gold from shining, God will judge it. God will judge it. Anytime you hear the word of God, settle down and judge yourself. Oh, hey, hey, hey. God will judge it too. There's something I read the other day. If I just, just came to me now, let me just quickly say it again. I just read it out to us. An American president said this. Okay. This was Thomas Jefferson. He was American president, U.S. president from 1801 to 1809. Thomas Jefferson said something. He said, God who gave us life, gave us liberty. Can the liberty of the nation be secure when we have removed their only firm basis? And which is what? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are the gift of God. Now listen to what he said. He said, indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever. 20 to 40 years later, if he, that's around 1840 something, American Civil War broke out and one million people died. One million people died. About 700,000 of them soldiers, the rest civilians. When I read this, I said, Father in heaven, their president had warned that the way we are going, God will judge you. And listen, the civil war was divine judgment. I don't have time to discuss that. I don't want to get caught into that. Maybe later on in December, when we're talking about nation building, I may be able to get into some of these things. That was God's judgment. 
Let's leave that. Let's get to our lives. Everything you hold that is not right, he will judge you. Listen, anything you hold on to that is not the will of God is limiting your destiny. You can strive hard. You can think you will work hard, work hard, work hard. No matter the way you want to, method you want to use, eventually, that thing that is inside your heart that is not the will of God will prevent your destiny from manifesting. Every method you use to circumvent it, he will judge. So we discussed that last time. So we have to be careful to build on his precepts. And last of all, which was what I planned, I planned to talk about today, is the words that we speak. These words must be deliberately built on the word of God. Our Bible reading was taken from the book of Isaiah chapter 8. And why did we read that? I wanted the people of God to see it again. That God said, you must speak according to the word and according to prophecy. And if anyone does not speak according to that, it's because light has not dawned on them. The people will therefore suffer. They will be hard-pressed and famished. They are going to have troubles in life because of the way they are speaking. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to speak what is right, God said, fill your heart with that which is right. That is the solution. Fill your heart with that which is right. If you are going to speak according to that which is right, another scripture we'll remember next time is from Numbers chapter 14. God told Israel, as I heard you say in my ears, that's what I'm going to do to you. It's not just to say the things that are right now. It's to first of all, fill your heart with what is right so that you can do, say that which is right in his ears. You know, I noticed something. Let's quickly, now we won't open it now, but I just want to quote it and then I begin to close. You know, you've heard me say many times, Christians for a long time, especially under the Pentecostal influence, they misjudge the meaning of the world walking in the spirit. It's so sad. I look back now, you know when God wants to, and I tell that God has investment. I remember those days when we were in school. And I know what God was doing in my life. Many times people will be following, you know, falling under the spirit, getting carried up by spiritual things like that, all those spirit, spirit things. God just refused to allow me to flow. You, are you getting my point? Say, Banky, relax. I will show you what they call walking the spirit later. They say, pray, 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 pray until your spirit is quiet. You now hear the Holy Spirit. Bros, I pray though. Holy Spirit doesn't seem to like talking to people like us. <laughs> no, I've had a few experiences that were so dramatic, but they were not because I was praying to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. I mean, I have a number of experiences like that in life, but I wasn't trying to pray to get something done. All right? Now, you see where I'm going. We thought that what does it mean to walk in the Spirit is to be staggering as you are walking, having been praying for the last three hours, and then you can't see straight again. You are like a drunk man. That is one aspect of experiencing spiritual things. But that's not what they call walking in the Spirit. You know what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5? In verse 18, he said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is in excess. What did he say? But be filled with the Spirit. And do you know what? If you remember, when we were studying Ephesians and Colossians, we studied it side by side. And we saw that Ephesians is a encyclical, that is a letter written to the whole church. But that same letter was taken and adapted to the church, you know, the Colossian church. And Paul made it clear to us what he called being filled with the Spirit. And you find, you, know, you can go and line it up side by side. Is that same thing he wrote to the other church, or to a specific church, and said, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? 
is Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, my people of God. That was what Paul called being filled with the Spirit. He said, when the word of God, Christ dwells in you richly, then you'll be able to speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and you'll be able to make melody in your heart to the Lord. I read it, I said, wow, that's what Jesus was telling us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what the assignment for Christians? Watch how you speak. But first, it becomes easy to speak what is right when you have first filled the heart with what is right. Let me drop this for us and we'll close with it. People of God, fill your heart deliberately with spiritual information. Be deliberate about it. Some of you, I give you an instruction today. Get off Facebook for a month. It's not let. It's, it, see, there's what they call opportunity cost. Everything you are spending time doing is costing you something else you are not doing. I hope you get my point. Some people, some people have to leave chat groups. And for goodness sake, you are not a reporter. No, be the first to know. Calamity News Network. More important is people now say, be the first to tell. They always be the first to post anything they hear. Including when they tell you a building filled with Nigeria was born in South Africa. They now say, hey, hey, it did not happen in South Africa. They say, Saudi, hey, hey. people are not even sure. People just be following all kinds of things. Some people need to get off Facebook. Some people need to just inactivate WhatsApp. Just for, just for a short period, just one year. You know, some people think, ah, I will die. You won't die. Your life will improve. And if you're in a child group right now, if you're a Christian, you're in any child group, and you are not in a child group where they discuss the word of God regularly, you're a sinner. You are walking in sin. And the soul that's sinned, you shall have problems. Let's leave it like that. Remember, Roman Road, use the advantage of technology to fill your heart with the word of God. Let me leave it there. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give the Lord thanks for the information that He has supplied by the Spirit to us today. Let's say, Lord, thank you for the information you have given us today. Thank you for the liberating word that has come forth from your throne. Let's thank the Lord for the revelation of truth. Thank the Lord for the word that has come to you. Thank the Lord for the instruction that you have received. Thank the Lord because you now know how to move. Thank the Lord for the encouragement that has come to your heart. Thank the Lord for light. Thank the Lord for truth. Thank the Lord for the unction that has been poured forth. Thank the Lord for the anointing, the empowerment.